At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. The Beating the Book podcast is Gil Alexander. Baseball geeks. This is your episode. Paul Sporer, our old staple from Fangraphs, is here. Also the host of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, We'll do all things Major League Baseball here. Season wins. We'll do props. We'll have division odds. It's actually woven throughout the betting aspect, woven throughout this podcast episode. Second hour, though, the emphasis will be on your season-long fantasy leagues. Paulie will talk about over- and undervalued starting pitchers, and then we'll do the same for position players as we go around the horn. All baseball, all show. Right here on the Beating the Book podcast. Enjoy. In the South Point Hotel and Casino, it's Gil Alexander. Hour number two of a numbers game right here at Visa, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, Series XM Channel 204, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo TV, baseball time. Uh, we talked with Josh Towers about this yesterday. But I want to bring in my old buddy um, from Fangraphs. He works at Fangraphs, does the Sleeper in the Bus podcast over there. Uh, we, we started talking about baseball, me and Paul Spore, about eight, nine years ago. We had never met face to face. And then, like, two months ago, we're in an airport security line. Neither one of us was doing TSA. I was with my girlfriend. She didn't have TSA, so I had to be in the, you know, security line, Mattel. That's how I was rolling that day. And uh, it was this— Like a peasant. Like a peasant. And it was this long, long, winding, taking forever security line. And there's Polly with his girlfriend, right, like, just uh, the sort of the lane behind me. And so here we are meeting for the first time, and we awkwardly had to, like, swerve into each other, like, five or six different times. And so the first time, we're like, hey, Paul, give each other a hug. Second time, like, oh, my God, I can't believe we, we met. Third time, a few small talk. Fourth time, we're like, hey, hey, man. A fifth time, you're like, I have nothing else. Uh, it's very awkward right now. Sixth time, we're like, yeah, okay, bye. Take care. Paul Spore, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, Paulie. 
Gil, how's it going, man? Going very what an well. Amazing, what an amazing way to meet, too, because, <laughs> uh, you know, I mentioned to you that, I, that I'm going to be in town. You're like, oh, you know, I'm not really going to be there. I'm traveling for the holidays. I'm going to dip in for a small period of time. Right. And we meet in the line. That was unbelievable. <laughs> but I got to get back out there and, and spend some quality time with you. Uh, baseball's coming up. I am beyond excited. So beyond let's, let's excited. Yeah. What are you like? Six five, by the way, Paul. I just want to get a visual for correct. people. Six Cor- correct. five. Just think basically Chris Sale, six five and, and, and lean. T- Taylor Swift, Chris Sale, that's the uh, body type that you're thinking <laughs> Taylor Swift, Chris Sale. All right. That's good visual right there. Um, by the way, later on the show, Tristan Thompson talking all about the Chloe Kardashian. Cheating. Don't lie to the people. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't lie to okay. the people. <laughs> I don't have one. I'm sorry. Let's start. Mateo, what are we going to start with here? Let's throw up some on the screen here. Let's start with home runs. Why don't we start there? Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, he of the $315 million contract, I believe it is, uh, but it's 300 plus. Don't, don't hold me to 315. He's the, uh, he's the top person in the market, 40 and a half. That's where his home run total has been set in the Bronx. Then Joey Gallo, who uh, in some seasons has had the most interesting stats of anybody, all homers and then nothing else, pretty much. Sort of the Dave Kingman of his generation, if you will. Joey uh, Joey Gallo, 38 and a half. Chris Davis, Oakland Athletics, reigning home run champ, who I had to uh, have the most home runs two years ago at 50 to 1, and then didn't play him last year. Way to go, me. Yeah. Stick with him. Yeah. Mike Trout, 37 and a half. Nolan Arenado and Coors at 36 and a half. On down the list, JD and Aaron Judge, both at, at, uh, or I should say, JD Martinez at 36 and a half. Aaron Judge at 35 and a half. And then on down, including Harper and Machado at 34 and a half, along with Reese Hoskins. Who do you like, if anybody, here? Yeah, there's some tight lines, but I I do think there are some interesting ones here. Uh, Nolan Arenado, uh, somebody I definitely like at plus 36 and a half. I don't really see a scenario where he's going to be traded out. Um, you know, I know that there is some concern about that. I, I've heard some chatter about that in the fantasy community that they're worried that'll be traded out if they're not doing well. First off, I just don't think that they're going to do poorly enough. Uh, you know, I don't think that the Rockies are going to bottom out and have to start selling off pieces. And he's at 42, 41, 37, 38 the last four years. So plus 36 and a half feels pretty good. Of course, with any of these uh, sort of stat totals, you are better betting on a measure of health without a doubt, and that's a wild card. But uh, as far as, you know, if he continues to put up 155-plus games the way he's done each of the last four years, I don't know how Nolan Arenado doesn't get plus 36.5 homers. Plus 36.5, so over on 36.5. And, and Paulie said it right there, Mateo, and he's the first person I ever heard say it many years ago when he was like 12 years old at the time. <laughs> Staying healthy is a skill. And so for all these counting stats, you are basically, if you're going over, you're betting against injury. Uh, that's how we lost the Altuve hits uh, over yeah. last year, for instance. We couldn't get there because he was out for a certain amount of games. All right, let's go move to the next one here, Mateo. Uh, talking to Paul Spore from Fangraphs right here on the uh, Numbers Gil, let, me, let me throw a couple oh, other side please. ones on, on the homers. Please. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to give them all at once all or right, one go by ahead. one. Go ahead. Also love J.D. Martinez, arguably the best uh, at-bat for at-bat hitter in the game, plus 36.5 for him. You know, the more and more he stays off the field, the better it is for his health. And then two smaller ones, Matt Olson. Matt Olson's a 35 home run hitter, and he's at 32.5. I really like that one. I believe Reese Hoskins is a 35 to 40 home run hitter as well, so he's at 34.5. So I got four overs with Arenado, J.D. Martinez, Matt Olson, and Reese Hoskins. All right. Four. Arenado. Um, J.D. Martinez, Hoskins, and Matt Olson. Matt Olson 
of the uh, Oakland Athletics. Sort of that like, one might be my favorite, to be honest. At thirty-two and a half. Okay. Yes. Interesting. I did not expect you to go that way. So let's write, let's mark those down. So all overs on those four. Bullish. He likes human achievement. Four overs there. <laughs> all right. Let's go to hit totals here, real quick. These also provided by the Westgate this past Sunday. It is the aforementioned Jose Altuve with the most one seventy-eight and a half. If Altuve stays healthy, that's a drop in the bucket, isn't it? Easy. I mean that one. That one. That one's easy right there. If he stays healthy, I totally agree. You know, he got the the surgery and everything. Looks like he's going to be coming out healthy. He almost got there. Uh, you know, given given back twenty games last year. So, I definitely like that one with Altuve. If you believe that he's going to stay healthy this year, uh, had never really been hurt before this season. So the rebound, I do like that Altuve one. All right, and then you have uh, in uh, in order Mookie Betts, Charlie Blackman, just a hit behind him at one seventy seven and a half. That's where the market was established. Yelich one seventy two and a half. A trio of players at one seventy and a half. Trey Turner again, Nolan Arenado, and then Whit Merrifield of the uh, Royals, and then uh, Gene Segura, uh, uh, Gene Segura, new Philadelphia Philly at one sixty nine and a half on down the line. Trout one fifty four and a half. Uh, Acuna Junior at one sixty five and a half. Uh, Trout's got to stay healthy. I mean, all these guys do, but Trout's uh, someone who uh, you would want to stay healthy to get to that. What, what do you think about the rest of these guys? That, I mean, that's the one for me, though. Is it's Trout, and it is, it is a, of course, a major bet on health because the last two seasons he's gotten hurt. Yeah. But before that, it was five straight seasons of at least 173 hits. So I feel like they're giving you a little something here. Um, and anytime I can bet on Mike Trout and, and, and feel like, all I really need is to, for him to not get another injury. Some, you know, these have not been chronic injuries. I don't see a major issue with with Mike Trout's health profile right now. One was sliding into a base. That's kind of a fluke situation there. So yeah, I'm going to bet on that one. That's my favorite. That's really the only one that I, I dove in on outside of liking Altuve. Give me Trout at uh, over 154 and a half hits for sure. Is there an under there that you're looking at? Is there is there one of these where you're like that seems way too high? None that felt way too high. Uh, you know, the the fantasy community has really kind of come around that Whit Merrifield is is kind of you know is a legit hitter, and the things that we've seen out of him have been pretty nice. He is going to be age thirty though, so if I am picking an under, I think just kind of going against the grain on him off of a career year. Uh, you know, he was off of a career year going into eighteen too. You know, but I, I think just betting on him to maybe. An injury is all you really need there. Not that you're rooting for injury, but one injury, I think, kind of derails that for Whit Merrifield. He had 169, uh, a nice hit total in 2017. So I'll, I'll go under on Whit Merrifield. All right. I just went uh, going under on Whit Merrifield. By the way, Whit Merrifield, is, it's funny that you say these things because now I'm looking up uh, the exact number right at the current moment. Whit Merrifield still at 170.5. Altuve did go up one hit. So Altuve, okay. the, the market agrees with you. He's at 179.5 now. It's still an over for me. Uh, and Mike, I agree. Yeah, agree. And Mike Trout did go up one hit as well. He's at 155.5. So the market agrees still with you here. Hit. Yeah, me too. Still early, but uh, you're, uh, you're reflecting the market. And last one here. Uh, this is win totals for pitchers. Now, obviously, in this day and age, especially with the uh, the advent of the opener in some of these uh, for some of these teams, but just more bullpen by the by the year, um, tougher for guys to get to certain win totals. Corey Kluber has been a guy that gets wins, though he's the top guy, sixteen and a half. Then you have Sale, Severino, Carrasco, Verlander, and Scherzer, uh, Murderers Row, all at fifteen and a half. 
and then uh, Snell and Nola at 14 and a half, and then a uh, six, a sextet, if you will, of uh, pitchers. DeGrom, Cole, Price, Kershaw, Paxton, Bauer, 13 and a half. Kershaw is an interesting one because to me, he's not even the ace of that staff anymore. And I've sort of been bearish on How him. How dare you? I know. <laughs> I know. It's sacrilege. Um, what do you like here over or under? You know, I didn't really think I'd like much of this, um, but but I ended up with five names that I kind of like. First off, I think DeGrom's kind of a layup. You know, they got a lot better. That is a layup. The way he pitched last year, he probably deserved like 30 wins. Yeah. Uh, he was that good. Put him on like a league average offense, and he seriously would have won like 22, 23 games probably. So 13 and a half is kind of a gift there. I'll definitely take that one. I'll go under on a couple 13 and a halfs. John Lester and Zach Greinke. Uh, Lester, you know, they're both getting up there in age. The Lester one is a bet against him and the Cubs, whereas the Granky one is a little bit of a bet uh, more against the Diamondbacks than him specifically. I just, uh, they, they don't have a great situation over there. I think they're going to be kind of a middling team. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be under for Zach Granky. And then two overs on the lower end. Love Jamison Tyon this year and think he's poised for a massive year. So over 11 and a half feels pretty big for me. Like, I, I love that one. I think even if he just repeats what he did last year, well, obviously, if he just repeats, he'd get 14. But, I mean, skills-wise, if he just repeats what he did last year, Tyon's a lock for that 11 and a half. And you mentioned the opener. And right now they've said that Charlie Morton won't get an opener necessarily. But if he does, then nine and a half is an is a absolute lock because then he's coming in in the second inning. So I would almost love for Charlie Morton to get an opener. He is a five, six inning kind of guy. He's getting older. He's great, but slap an opener on the front there and Charlie Morton could win 16, 17 games. So plus nine and a half, that's easy peasy for me. Easy peasy. I like that. The, the, the angle that the opener actually helps because you, uh, as you say, slap an inning there off the top. Um, so you think that's actually better for the, for him getting the win. Um, yes. which is, yeah, makes sense. Again, this, oh, so much of modeling with baseball is how many times you go through the lineup and the whole story with the opener is that opener faces the first three batters and then it starts with the, the number four batter technically for, for what would be the would-be starter. Yeah. yeah, ideally what for the would-be starter, if you will. Um, so it's a whole complicated puzzle, a whole different way to calculate these things these days. Good stuff right there. So you're, give me your, your best over and your best under and all that. My best over would be give me Jamison Tyon because we don't know if Charlie Morton is going to get an opener at plus eleven over eleven and a half. And my best under is John Lester thirteen and a half All under. Right. I think I think I'm uh, over Degrom. I think is my number one over. I like the Lester call as well. Uh, coming back, Paul Spore from Fangraphs at Spore S P O R E R on Twitter. We'll talk American League season wins, National League season wins. We'll even get into some futures. I don't love futures pre flop for lots of reasons, which I'll talk about. Uh, but we'll get Paulie's take on all of that. It's next on a numbers game right here at Visa. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VSIN studios in Las Vegas. Back on a numbers game, as the man said right here at VSIN. Uh, Matt Jones and I uh, already, again, we set the uh, over under on Bryce Harper being signed by whatever team. 15 minutes. What was it? 22 minutes after the show? I said 922 Pacific. Everything always goes down right after the show just like Machado yesterday. So we'll, we, we assume that uh, that will happen with Harper this morning. A virtual lock. Uh, back with Paul Spore from Fangraphs. Still doing Sleeper in the Bus, that podcast, Paulie? The award-winning Sleeper in the Bus. We, we won an award a couple weeks ago from the uh, Fantasy Sports Writers Association. So v- very happy about that. Uh, we're pumping them out. 
we're in full we're we're in a full lather over there getting ready for the season. So absolutely. <laughs> Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thank I, you. I, I have always said that if first of all, no one likes anything as much as Paul loves baseball. Uh, again, right. what was it? I said you love baseball as much as people love their cats. When I said dogs, you said don't go crazy. Don't go crazy with dogs. Yes. Right. Yeah, I love my dogs. cat. Yeah. You love your cat? Yeah, I love my cat. Yeah. You don't love your cat as much as Paul loves baseball. You don't. I love baseball more than you love your cat. That's right. Definitely. That's, well, you definitely love baseball more than my cat loves me. That's for sure. <laughs> that's well, well that, that's, that's for not sure. hard. That's the problem. See, cats, they're, they're, they're mean. That's why dogs are better. But we don't need to get into that because no. I can do a whole show mean, on dogs versus Mean cats. spirited. Um, Matt's cat. I don't know about any other, anybody else's. Um, but most, that is a sleeper cats. in the bus podcast. The sleeper in the bus podcast is a deep dive into baseball. Do you guys still like? What's your average length podcast? Oh, we've been putting up some uh, some gems here in the off season. We definitely <laughs> go an hour plus. Uh, but we're, with these position previews, uh, we're, we're clocking two two plus hours. We try to break it up. So if you add it up, the two parts of say the first base preview. We legitimately got five hours of, of fantasy first baseman. It, it, it's been oh kind of wild. But God. whenever we apologize to you, know, at the end, we're like, oh, you know, sorry, this went long. Guaranteed we get five, six tweets or, or more saying, no, 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 we like it when it's when it's super long. Keep keep going. It's all good. So, you know, people break it up. Obviously, you're not getting it done in one commute. You got it to kind of listen to over the, the course of a few days. So, People like it, and uh, so we're just gonna we're we're long form. That's what we do. Long form. I like that. I get the same thing the other day when I was doing Pythagorean theorem and base runs and one run outcomes, talking about season win totals. There's always you're right. I apologize. I do the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I know that's a little too much in the weeds for some people. There's always five or six people who are like, no, 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 no. Please, please, please do do more of that. All right, let's do a, let's do American League here first, Paulie. Let's do okay. season win totals on American League teams, and we'll just I'll, I'll throw out the East here first. And you can just tell me by division, is there an over or under that you love, or do you have a lean, or do you have nothing? Let's start with the American okay. League East, and we'll do it um, whenever you want to throw up here, Mateo, if you want to do Caesars or Westgate. Uh, we'll throw them up on the screen at VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, and Fubo TV. Uh, but obviously it's the Red Sox who had a lot of... I was pointing out the other day a lot of uh, overachievement versus their Pythag last year, a 108-win team in your standings during the regular season, but they were about a 99-win team. Still great, right? Uh, here's the, here are the Caesars numbers. Uh, it's the Yankees who have the most. They've gone up from 96.5 to 98. The Red Sox, who I was talking about, both from a Py, uh, Pythagorean theorem, base runs perspective, even a one-run outcomes perspective, um, as great as they were World Series champs, Probably shouldn't have been a 108-win team. That doesn't mean that they're not good at baseball. Their season win total for next year starts out at 95.5. It has dropped to 94.5 at Caesars. Rays from 85.5 to 84. Jays from 76.5 to 74. The Orioles from 59 to 58.5. You have the Westgate numbers. Those don't vary that much. The Red Sox are the one team in baseball where the difference is the most, a two-game difference. Yeah. So here they are uh, from the West. We just flashed them up, so they're right around there. So anything in the AL East over or under, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little uh, little bearish on the Red Sox as well, coming off, obviously, the big World Series win. Uh, you talked about the Kimbrell situation. They, they're saying now that they're not going to bring him back. I don't know what they really got going on in their bullpen. I, I know you can kind of build a bullpen on the fly, but I don't love what they've got. So I'm going to go under on the Red Sox. 
and uh, over on the Rays. I, I like what the Rays have done. Obviously, they had that 90-win uh, season last year that uh, unfortunately really didn't result in anything because of the difficult of division that they're in. Could be the same thing this year. They could put up a, you know, an 88 to 92-win season and still find themselves at home if another team in probably it probably have to be the AL West because I don't know that. Uh, Anybody's going to emerge in the AL Central to take the second wild card. But the same thing could happen again. I like a lot of the moves that they made, though. I already mentioned Charlie Morton. They've got some depth of pitching. Brent Honeywell's eventually going to come back. They're always working the edges to improve their team. So they don't even need to repeat their 90 because uh, they're giving us a number of 84 and a half. So down on the Red Sox, up on the Rays. Down on the Red Sox, up on the Rays. Interesting to note that the Orioles at 59 and a half is right where it ought to be. <laughs> somewhere, right yeah. in, somewhere right in that pocket. Uh, let's go to the AL Central. Obviously, the Indians. Uh, I'm, I'm very bullish on the Indians. I tend to be oh. in recent history all the time. Um, they're at 91. Again, if you base it on stuff like Pythagorean Theorem and base runs, they were probably a better team last year than their record indicated. I can tell by your reaction. You may not agree with this. Uh, Twins at 84 right now. These are via Caesars. White Sox, 75 and a half. Royals, 70. Tigers, 68. And again, the Westgate numbers really right in those pockets. Not much difference between them and uh, those at Caesars currently. What do you like? What do you not like here? Gil. Yeah. You know who's playing uh, center field uh, for, the, for the Indians for April and May? <laughs> me. <laughs> you 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 got the they gig. They call me. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going in, man, because they didn't have any outfielders. And yeah. so they had a little raffle for whoever the heck wanted to do it. I said, you know what? I'll run it out there. I'm 37. I'm trash, <laughs> but I can't be any worse than what they got. They don't have an outfield. I don't understand what the heck this team's doing. They're sitting on their hands. Now, here's where the tough part comes in because I really hate Cleveland for October. But I don't know that I can go aggressive on the under because they are their their pitching is so strong that they can kind of coast and that division is, is, is pretty crummy. Um, but don't sleep on the twins. They've had a good off season. If the, I really wish obviously that the white Sox would have gotten a Machado or, or a Harper. I don't think they're going to get Harper. I think Machado was the one that they were angling for. And I thought they could have made some noise. Uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of love for the Royals or the Tigers. They're not going to be super challenged in, in the regular season. So that's probably a good number that they have there where they got 91 wins. But I really don't like this team, and I think that they're living by a thread. Uh, they, they don't have an outfield. I'm not impressed with what they've done. That pitching's great, but when you're fully built on pitching, you know, little, little injury bug strikes the club, and all of a sudden you're looking at like an 87 win, and that could still win the division. So I, I, it, it's a soft under on Cleveland. I just don't like what they've got, and I definitely hate them for October. So there's no universe where I would bet them for uh, World Series or AL free futures. Yeah, I, I give you the outfield. I really, I mean, no Tyler Naquin, right? No Leonis Martin to start things off. Um, Gross. At all. And in some Greg cases. Allen. Yeah, Greg Allen is in there. And I don't know who else besides Greg Allen, really, who slots in. Me, I told you. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> exactly. Put me in, coach. Uh, anything else with Twins, White Sox, Royals, or, or your beloved Tigers, Paulie? <sighs> No, my beloved Tigers, 69 and a half. Nice. That, 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 that's about what it's going to be. Twins are kind of sneaky, but they put them at, at over 80 already. So I don't know. Can't really get too hyped there. So no, it's a, it's a pretty well, well-structured division there as far as the win totals go. Cause even Cleveland, I can't really express my disdain for them at a 90, 91 win total. If they had a more in the 93 plus range, I'd be hammering the under. Okay, so so not e- so not even a play on the Indians then. You're a little too nah, okay. Nah. 
All right, so nothing in the Central, but you like. So far, it's the Red Sox under and the Rays over. Correct. All right, let's go to the AL West real quick here before the break. Um, Astros, of course, ruling the roost. 96 and a half right now at Caesars. And then it's everybody else. Let's face it. Angels, yeah. right in the Angels kind of pocket there, Paulie. Uh, low 80s, 83 at Caesars. I think it's a little less at Westgate. Athletics, oh, boom, just change right there on the screen. 82 and a half. Athletics, 83 and a half. Uh, and then there's the Mariners and the Rangers. This is interesting on the Mariners, right? Because if I go to Pythagorean Theorem and base runs and, and one-run outcomes, particularly extra inning outcomes last year, where they were 14 and one with Edwin Diaz closing. <laughs> I mean, that's insane, right? They're yeah. at, they're at seventy. So even if you even if you factor in all those things, they become sort of a baseline seventy eight win team from last year. But mm-hmm. obvi- obviously they've purged. They're at seventy. Do you feel any which way about them or any other team in this division? I, I do. Like because I, I, I was kind of looking at that same one there too, where I don't know that they're a, a, a seventy win kind of team because they purged a lot of their talent but not to bottom out and rebuild. Really, it's more of a retool, and they're trying to – they're almost kind of uh, trying to go Tampa Bay Rays with, with no-name guys, you know, selling the big name for some of the no-name stuff. And they have some name guys, you know, Jay Bruce and, and Edwin Encarnacion. But, uh, no, I, I think I'm going to go over uh, on the Mariners there, and I, I'm surprised that I feel that way, but it's, you know, based on where the number is – I actually lean closer to saying they can beat that 70. You really only need, obviously you only need a 71 win season, but I think they can definitely do that. Uh, They've priced the angels and athletics pretty tightly. So it's tough. I like both those clubs. You know, we were big on the A's last year. They came through for sure. Uh, You know, no, they're not sneaking up on anyone this year. The angels are the one that I, I, I am vacillating on right now. Would you say they're at 81, 82? Yeah. That's a tough one. Um, I do think that they've got a good club there. Their pitching is a little bit fragile health wise for sure, but I like a lot of the moves that they've made. Uh, you know, taking gambles. I know he's already got a glute strain or whatever, but that's nothing for Harvey. Trevor Cahill, like it's injury gambles that they've taken. I like signing Cody Allen. I think he can bounce back. That lineup is deep. I wish I had just a little bit more confidence in their pitching. They should go out and sign Kimbrel. And then I would, oh, my God, I would love that. Of course, their number would, would go up. But uh, I think they're a good fit. So I, I have a slight lean on the Angels over just because I, I think once Otani gets back, that lineup runs really deep and their pitching is, is playable. So uh, I, I wouldn't hammer that one by any stretch. But the Mariners one, I would, I would put a real bet over. And that's the thing about Kimbrell, too. He really would move these markets in a way that I'm not sure even Bryce Harper does, quite frankly. At least it wouldn't in yeah, my agreed. book, you know. So um, so Mariners over is the big one there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll do the National League. Paul Spore, fan graphs. We'll get to it. Maybe some futures at the end as well. Right here on a numbers game at Visa. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. Broadcasting live from our VSIN studios in Las Vegas. Duke of North Carolina again tonight. We were talking about uh, Duke Carolina some 40 years ago. What are they like? It's 102 to 101 in the last 203 games. Some some ridiculous number. And Duke has outscored Carolina by three points. Don't hold me to the 102-101. But basically, it's, it's almost five. Or one team. Carolina has one game up on Duke. It might be 52-51 in like the last 103 games. But Duke has outscored them by three points in that process. That's how close that rivalry has been through the years talking baseball with Paul Spore right here from Fangraphs. Let's go to the National League. Let's try to get some uh, season win totals. Let's start in the East. Maybe the most interesting division in all of baseball this year, and yeah. maybe the most top-heavy uh, 
Apologies to the Marlins. Apologies to you guys at 64 wins. But everybody else, Nationals may be better without Bryce Harper at 88 and a half. Currently at Caesars. Braves, defending National League East champs. With 90 wins last year, they got 87. The Mets, who have done the opposite of the teardown, they're like, we're winning now. They're at 86. And then there's the Phillies at 87. Uh, just moved up there on the screen. Uh, we reversed the order. Phillies 87, anticipating perhaps Bryce Harper coming to play at Citizens Bank. Anything here, because they're all, with the, exception, with the exception of the Marlins, obviously, they're all pretty much right in the same pocket. Yeah, it's pretty tight, and it is tough. It's definitely something that if I if I were going to jump in, it wouldn't be at, at uh, a major bet. But I do kind of like uh, the Phillies. I like jumping in before a potential Harper signing because I really do think they are going to get him. So I think I might make a little small play there. And as much as I like the Braves, particularly as a long-term situation, I do think that last year was kind of the beginning of a of a nice open window. That doesn't mean that it's a straight upward trajectory. I feel like this year they could kind of bounce back uh, down a little bit, uh, maybe have the, the proverbial sophomore slump, but as a team. And it's it's really due to that starting pitching. Now, the, the tough part there is they have so much starting pitching in the minors that if some of these guys that they currently have, like Tehran and Newcomb and, and Toussaint, who I like uh, probably more as a reliever because he's a little bit wild and doesn't have great depth of arsenal, uh, they can replace them with so many guys. So, again, I, I – I can't get super excited and bet the under there, but that's that's my lean with the Braves is under over with the Phillies. I feel stronger about the Phillies than the Braves. It's just such a tight division, though. They're going to beat the heck out of each other. Honestly, I think the best move is probably to just go under on the Marlins because every team is going to pummel them. <laughs> and we should probably have prefaced it. I probably buried the headline. Last year before the season, uh, Paulie was very bullish on the Braves when very few people were. And I would say you were the only person, because I did hear a couple of our other experts talk Braves, you were the only person I heard that was super bullish on the athletics, and you hit that in spades as well. So obviously your uh, your words weigh heavily here. Let's go to the uh, NL Central, where you have a, uh, a, a team in the Cubbies that, based on Pakoda versus season win totals in the betting market, is the widest gap. So in the betting yeah. markets... You got the Cubbies at 89 at Caesars, uh, right around there at the Westgate as well, which you have in your hand. Uh, Cardinals 88 and a half, obviously Paul Goldschmidt, age 31, slotted right there in the three spot in that lineup this year. Brew Crew at 87, and then the Reds at 79, the Pirates at 77 and a half. Um, Bakota, Cubs, now below 80, Paul. How do you feel about them? Yeah, I, I tend to lean closer to Pakoda than than to the uh, betting market there. I'm just not really in on the Cubs. Kind of mentioned it a little bit with the John Lester situation. Uh, it's an old rotation. Um, it, it's weird. Like I, I like aspects of it. I think Darvish can bounce back, have a nice season. He's someone I'm, dra- I'm drafting in fantasy. But the rest of the rotation is really starting to get up there in age. you got a couple of 35-year-olds. you got pretty much everyone, I think, north of 30. Hendricks might be 29 or 30 himself. Um, the lineup is, is hardly bad. In fact, there's some improvement uh, potential there with a few guys, namely Ian Happ and, and Wilson Contreras getting back on track. But I also think that there's uh, you know going to be some comeback on somebody like a Javier Baez. I think my biggest issue with this ball club is their bullpen. Uh, I like I actually like their main asset, uh, Pedro Strope. I think he's going to kind of hold the closers job all year. I just don't believe in Brandon Morrow's health at all. But it's a thin bullpen. 
And they're, they've really tightened the purse strings. They're crying poor here. They, they've had a quiet offseason as they cry poor. The Chicago Cubs are going to try to uh, convince us that they don't have any money. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so hopefully they, they suffer the consequences there of tightening the purse strings and take losses. That's a very difficult division. That's another reason that I don't really like them. So I'm going to go under on the Cubbies there at 89.5 pretty easily because they can still be a quality, even playoff team and not go 89 and a half. So that's an easy under there. I definitely agree there. Uh, Brewers, difficult to jump back in on the team that had kind of the, the, the big season, the big uh, dream season there going 96 wins, but they only got them at 86 and a half. I don't see them losing 10 wins. The main reason is because, yes, the bullpen's going to regress because anytime you get that good of a bullpen, it's going to come back to the pack. I like their rotation to sneak tip be an asset this year, whereas last year they kind of meandered through it and, and, and muddled around with some of these guys and, and pieced it together. I think this year it could be a strength. Uh, Jimmy Nelson coming back for a full season. I really like him. Some youngsters like Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and then they have a lot of that uh, that solid, if unspectacular, you know, the guys that they had last year, like Yuli Shasin, um, Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, kind of at the back end. So I like the Brewers still at plus 86 and a half. And they priced the Reds very fairly, so I wanted to be like hardcore in on them. But seventy nine and a half is pretty good. I do think they're a five hundred ball club though, so I will put a little one on the Reds as well. I love what they've done this off season. They were kind of a sneak tip offense last year that people probably didn't realize was very good. I mean, y- y- your audience knows because they're in the numbers, but uh, they had a good offense last year and they've added some pitching. So I'll go with the Reds as well for a small bet. All right. Cubs under, though, I'm with you. That's sort of, I, I don't want to say anything's an auto-fade, but that's about as close to it gets. You almost, just on principle, have to go yep. under uh, if you're doing this by by the numbers. We're talking to Paul Spore from Fangraphs, uh, also the host of, or co-host of the award-winning Sleeper in the Bus podcast. Let's go to the West in the National League real quick here. Dodgers World Series bridesmaids the last two years. It's a championship or bust. They're at 93 and a half right now at Caesars. The Rockies, who I always find interesting when it comes to season win totals, because no matter what, uh, although I will say last year wasn't a sweat for Rockies overs. It wasn't. They cruised into a to an over last year. They're at 85 and a half uh, over at Caesars. Then you got the Padres again with Manny Machado up 78 and a half. Uh, we'll check what that number is at right now exactly. D-backs Giants both at 74 and a half. By the way, shout out Bruce Bochy, who is retiring at the end of this season. Three-time mm-hmm. World Series champion manager Great for manager. the Giants in 2010, 2012, 2014. What sticks out for you here? Not a whole lot. Another another division that's kind of uh, well-priced there. I, I think the Rockies will be a, a solid team yet again, but I don't know that they've necessarily added wins. So um, they want it. What did they win last year? 90? Uh, and they got him for 80, 84, 91. Yeah. Uh, and they got him for 84 and a half. So, I mean, I, I could see a small play on the over there because I, I don't think that they're necessarily going to come all the way down to 84. I think they're more of an upper 80s win team. So, I kind of like what the Rockies are doing there. Um, I, I, again, I don't think they, they're going to fall apart and start trading pieces, which is a concern for some folks, but I just don't see it. But my main play in the West would be the Giants under 73 and a half. Obviously, this is priced with the pieces that they have because they didn't make any moves to start selling off anything. And I know that they've been rumored on Harper. In fact, even today, there's another report that says that they're kind of in. 
for, I don't want to get off on a whole t- tangent, but why in God's name would Bryce Harper go to that stadium uh, <laughs> for his prime? Yeah, I'm sorry. Like the, the stadium's beautiful, the city's great. You know, like, uh, nothing, I'm not shading San Francisco, but I'm shading their park as a left-handed power hitter and the state of their team. Yeah, they have no farm system. Like they need to tear it down. So the fact that they're even talking to Harper is so delusional. It's not even funny. But uh, yeah, they've got all these old pieces that they haven't sold off yet. So that's why they got 73 and a half. This should be a sub-70 win team. So I'd kind of hammer the under with the Giants there. Oh. I think that they're going to move some of these pieces, including uh, Madison Bumgarner, in season once they realize that they're not good. Madison Bumgarner said, if you put an opener in my games, I'm walking off the, I'm walking out of the stadium <laughs> right at that moment. Oh, it's John. such an unnecessary tough talker. Nobody was going to put an opener <laughs> on right. your game, dude. They don't put openers on studs. So just shut your <laughs> mouth, stop ATVing, and go pitch. No one was threatening you with an opener. That's so true. Me so much. So true. Go with your ATV. Uh, shot at Madison Bumgarner, who, of course, is a World Series legend. Let's just point that out. But everybody in the Bay, Absolutely. oh, man, that hurt. That hurt to hear them as a sub-70 team. And I think you're right about Bryce Harper. Listen, I would love, I spent most of my adult life in San Francisco, I'd love to see Bryce Harper in a Giants uniform, but not for one second, Paul, have I believed it would ever happen. I always thought that was just noise. Uh, we'll come back with Paulie. We'll do a little futures here at the end, uh, wrapping it up on a numbers game right here at VEASAN. Back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VSIN studios in Las Vegas. Remember, when it comes to finding value, price shopping always key. Whether you're buying a car or making a sports bet, you always want to make sure you're getting the best number. That's how this works. And at PropSwap, you'll find the best numbers on futures. PropSwap, marketplace where people buy and sell active sports bets. And last year, thousands of tickets were sold at odds better than any sports book, including one customer who bought a Warriors to win the championship ticket at 2-1 to one odds. Because you're buying the bet from another person, sellers are able to offer you their bet at odds that a sports book would never offer. So start getting the best number by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. Speaking of futures, Paul Sporer here from Fangraphs. In our remaining minute here, Paulie, uh, the futures market, I always say this about, about baseball, I say it about other sports, but primarily in baseball, pre-flop futures suck in terms of bang for your buck. Yep. Wait till there's a swoon and then jump in on a team that you had a conviction on. I did it with the Dodgers last year when they were 16 and 26, timed it perfectly, almost got to the promised land, didn't quite work out, but you get much more value at that point. In the pre-flop market here, the Red Sox, uh, actually the Astros and the Yankees at 6-1, to the Red Sox and the Dodgers at 7-1, to all the way down to, who's the biggest, longest shot on the board? The Orioles, of course, 2,000-1. Uh, um, any any value pre-flop on this real quick? It, it's tough. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's not something I necessarily like to get into. Uh, the Mets, I'm kind of bought in on what they did. I'm trying not to get too bought in on it because you don't, you don't always want to go with the team that kind of wins the offseason. But I really like a lot of what they've done. After they did the Cano move, I wanted to see if they would do other stuff or just kind of sit on that. And they've done a whole lot of other stuff that I like. Um, but again, that division's tough because I also like the Nats. And, you know, you got those two teams, plus Phillies and, and Braves. It's really tough when there's four strong teams to want to bet on a team winning the entire thing coming out of that division. So it's really difficult. I'm going to go to the Brewers. Again, I'm kind of staying on them after what they did last year. I mentioned them in the win totals plus 1600 for the world series. I think that that offense is still good, even with the regression that you're going to put for some of the guys who broke out like Aguilar and Yelich. 
Uh, and I think that the rotation improving is going to make up for some of the bullpen regressing. So the Brewers are my favorite one. And then probably the, the Mets and Nats, I might pick my favorite between those two and put a little something on that if I were going to be in this market. But I'm like you, I'd rather not. There are other avenues where I can kind of get in and express my interest on these teams besides putting a Futures World Series bet. Paulie, love you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Support for today's show, as always, comes from bookmaker.eu, an industry leader for close to 30 years. And again, if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill, that's bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L, you can claim your exclusive 100% welcome bonus up to $300 right now. It's where the lines originate, because chances are wherever you're betting right now, they follow bookmakers' lines, so what the hell are you doing? Seriously, what's going on? It is the place where no one gets kicked out ever. Remember that. That's huge. Bookmaker.eu slash gill for your welcome bonus of up to $300 right now. And do not forget, as I mentioned on last podcast, two bracket contests this year there, a 63-team bracket with a $1 million perfect bracket prize awarded, 10000 for the winner, 5000 second place, $2,500 for third place, and every completed bracket guaranteed a prize of some sort. All players get one free entry and can purchase more at $10 each. All the details at bookmaker.eu slash March hyphen madness. And then, as I alluded to, there's going to be a second chance bracket contest for the Sweet 16. That'll be for $20 an entry with a 5K winning prize, $2,500 second, and 1K for third place. Again, every completed entry, and that one will win a prize as well. All the details for that at bookmaker.eu slash second hyphen chance hyphen bracket hyphen contest. Bookmaker.eu. Your welcome bonus and your March Madness winning possibilities. A proud sponsor of this podcast. Now, live from the VSIN studios in the South Point Hotel and Casino, it's Gil Alexander. It is Gil Alexander. Good morning to you, everybody. Series XM Channel 204, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Fubo TV. It is a numbers game right here where sports betting analytics live, actionable sports betting information. Matt Jones is here as well. Good morning, Mateo. Hey. Mateo, who took I just, a. I want to let you know. Yeah, oh, please. Yesterday, yes. I was a little distracted during the show. There's some stuff going on. <laughs> I understand. Yes. Today, yeah. I'm locked in. I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's a different uh, Mateo today. It's a different Mateo, turning over a new leaf. You, right. you are forgiven for being distracted. There Thank was you. other stuff going on in yeah, the world. There was fireworks going on. I understand. Good stuff. I, too, may have been somewhat distracted with screens on here in the, uh, in the uh, studio as, as they crawl, the old Chiron for, would, would give highlights of some uh, things that were happening at uh, hearings that had national interest. Not today, though. Oh, no. We're all about um, two things. Bill Krakenberger coming up, second hour. We always love when the crack man's in studio. Lord knows what we'll talk about. Who knows? We'll do a little degenerate Olympics on uh, Kyler Murray. We'll talk about uh, what his measurements came back in. This is what the, our world has come to, that we, we care about Kyler Murray's hand size, his weight, his height. It's important stuff. <laughs> it's very important stuff. Very important <laughs> That uh, one-eighth of an inch could make all the difference. Man, you know? let me tell you, he just, he just, his draft stock just went higher and higher today. Uh, we'll do that. Greg Peterson, a little instant offense, a little college basketball picks uh, in the second hour as well. He'll, st- he'll just, we'll sort of do a break and have like Greg Peterson for five minutes just spewing out college basketball picks. And I do think spewing is the correct verb when speaking of Greg Hoops Peterson. We'll do that next hour. But first, uh, he is our uh, old-time friend uh, talking baseball with us all the time. And uh, we're going to talk to him. We've, we did a whole bunch of stuff with him already. Season wins, futures. What else did we do? We did 
props, certain props. We'll have more props with him today. We'll do Cy Young Award, AL and NL, which was released over at the Westgate. Uh, but we want to talk fantasy baseball for those who uh, are in leagues and want to know a position-by-position breakdown pitchers and then around the horn. Ladies and gentlemen, he's our guy from Fangraphs, also the co-host of the Sleeper and the Bust podcast, which is hosted over there at Fangraphs. It's our buddy Paul Spore. Good morning, Paulie. Good morning, Gail. How's it going? Uh, it's going very well. You don't mind also if in through through your appearance here if we also do a Is Rob Manfred Crazy thread every once in a while. Oh, <laughs> you know, the answer is going to be yes every time, but sure, let's, let's, uh, let, let's go back and forth on that. All right, let's start with one, which is what we were dealing with the other day before we get into the other stuff. Rob Manfred uh, decided the other day that uh, Major League Baseball decided they didn't want people here in Nevada betting on preseason baseball games and uh, spring training baseball games. They actually extended it to other jurisdictions now as well. Uh, and we here in Nevada are like, uh, yeah, pick the sport with the lowest limits. Uh, first of all, it was only in Nevada, which made no sense that he was going after it. What in the world? Like, it came out of nowhere. Why does Rob Manfred care that people are betting on spring training baseball games? I, I don't know. And, and this this seems to be kind of a constant with Rob, where he gets his attention focused on the absolute wrong and dumbest things yes. uh, to try to, you know, uh, for example, going to the picking up the pace of play and then and then instituting the uh, intentional walk thing. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't help it. So you're not addressing the problem. You know, if you're worried about uh, any potential corruption, which I don't think, Again, with, with, with the way, with the, what athletes make these days, there's just not that much potential for corruption and stuff. But going after spring training betting, like, it's such a nothing factor. I, I really, I really soured on Manfred as a commissioner. Me too. And I'm gr- greatly concerned with him at the helm for 21, the 21 negotiations, um, because I just, I, I, I don't trust his judgment right now. He's, he's giving me nothing to feel that his judgment is worthwhile. You know, he gave up the pitch clock thing. Yes. Um, which I think was stupid too. I, Cause I think that's one of those things that people make a big deal about. And I know some of the old timer guys, um, you know, the, the top dogs usually come out and say stuff against it, like Scherzer and, and, and Justin Verlander and type of guys like that. And I get it. You know, they're locked into something. I totally understand that, but they would barely notice it a week into the season. That's like how quickly it mm-hmm. would be. I see it every year at the Arizona Fall League. I don't even notice it now. Like, it's not a thing. I've, I've seen it, I think, now for the last two or three years at the Arizona Fall League. I think I've seen two balls, and they're from the same guy, Justice Sheffield, and it was in the All-Star game. And I think maybe he was just taking his time a little bit to regroup, and it ended up, ended up running out the clock twice. But it's a nothing factor. And so him giving that up, too, I just – I don't know what the heck he's doing. I don't trust his judgment, and I'm nervous about the game with Manfred at the helm. Yeah, I, 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 when he first appeared, I remember I was at the Sloan Sports Conference at, NY, at MIT. And by the way, uh, shout out to uh, the Sloan Sports Conference, which begins tomorrow and goes through Saturday. They have stolen, Mateo, they have stolen our hashtag, a numbers game. So for the next two days, <gasps> everybody at the conference will be seeing our videos on this show. Thanks for the free pub, you know? So thank you. <laughs> Exactly. Thank you, Daryl Morey. By the way, Daryl Morey will also be rocking my one of those idiots who believes in analytics shirts as well, uh, as well. So it's a little, uh, 
It's a little. Wait, you have a shirt that says that? I heard the clip. Yeah, it's from my buddy Tim Lawson. You want one of those shirts? We'll get it to you. Uh, of course I do. Yeah. All right, All right. Daryl Morey, me and you. We're going to start a trend on this. All right, so let's start. We'll we'll continue with Rob Manfred later because I do agree with you. I think he is approaching. He'll never approach Goodell status, but he is going. Correct. He's going in the Bettman direction, away from Adam Silver. Ooh, yeah, away that's from a Adam. Good call. Yeah, yeah, away from that's Adam. The Silver. right part of the spectrum. Although Adam Silver's got to stop those players only broadcast. Let me just throw that in there because those are abomination. <laughs> All right, so let's start with starting pitchers because this is where you made your hay so many years ago. Uh, Paul used to Paul Sporer right here from Vangraphs. Paul used to write this just unbelievably dense starting pitcher's guide before, I mean, what were you, like uh, eight years old, nine years old at that time when you wrote that guide? It's amazing. Gil, I'm old. That's the thing that you you forget is that, you know, I was in my 20s doing that because I'm 37 now despite Man. the fact that I don't necessarily look that that old. But, yeah, I, I was doing that. I, I started on a message board, turned it into a PDF, but ended up becoming a little something. Uh, you know, that's how we met via that. And so – Starting pitcher guide always going to have a, a soft spot in my heart, but it, it owns the winter, and so it's hard to do that with a full time gig. Absolutely, and so that's the main reason that it, it has gone by the wayside. Yeah, that was too much. I understand. Now you actually have uh, employment, so there's you can't do it. You can't do everything anymore. But now, the one thing you you are great at here is still. Uh, we're going to break down fantasy positions for league-long players. Now, how do you do this? Because there's different formats in leagues. Do you want to do it by mm-hmm. tier? How I leave it to you. Yeah, I mean, so usually I focus on roto, rotisserie, the five five by five categories. Um, I know a lot of people play points leagues. The differences aren't that stark that uh, that one can't work for the other. But I, I think that still roto is more popular, so we can go uh, we we can go with that as the format, and then we can go however you want. Like, uh, are, are you looking for some? For some sleepers, you want to run down the entire. Obviously, we can't go down 150 pitchers, but no. what, do you, what do you want to do? I, I can definitely cater to what you got here. I got my list ready to go. Let's do it this way. Let's just go overachievers and underachievers. So overvalued and undervalued, if you will. So let's start okay. with the pitchers. And I, I guess we haven't been that far into any draft season where we can really get a, a, an exceptional average draft position at this point. Oh, you'd be surprised. Yeah, you, you would be surprised. The I'm NFBC, sure I would the, be. Yeah. The, the National Fantasy uh, Baseball Championships been running leagues all winter, and there are definitely uh, there's definitely enough data that I can look at and, and have some some real thoughts on that. And in fact, what I'll even do just since February first, they've got enough data that I can kind of look here and, uh, and and make some judgments. So we got we got enough data for that. Don't okay. Worry. All right. So let's do the overvalued starting pitchers right now. 2019 Fantasy Baseball drafts. All right, so I'm going to put two kind of off to the side because their their prices are constantly evolving, and they could they could actually start to push down toward undervalued. And obviously, with all the Kershaw news, if you're going to look at his ADP right now, you're going to say, "Oh, that's too high." But of course, it was without the benefit of all the bad news, and so um, you know he's definitely going to come down, and it's going to be interesting to kind of see where he lands. Like I said, he could actually shift into a value. I was among those who was saying. Stay on the Kershaw train. He's Clayton Kershaw. Then we got this bad news to open spring, and it's 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 a little less interesting uh, to stay on that bandwagon. But if the price gets to a certain point, you better believe that I'm going to buy Clayton Kershaw at, at a discount. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, same sort of deal, where he's kind of fluctuating wildly. So those two are kind of off to the side. A few guys that I don't really like uh, would include. I'm a little bit nervous 
on Trevor Bauer. And I feel bad because I'm on a, a stats-oriented it's, – it's funny, by the way, I'm going to contradict myself down the line, just a little heads up there. But uh, I, I'm a little – on a stats-oriented show to say that it's a bit of a gut feel. And what it is with Bauer is that he's so good at kind of figuring things out and tinkering that I'm worried that he out-tinkers himself at some point during the season and kind of loses – loses the greatness that we saw this past year. It was his first great year. He's it was all, cut he, short by Yeah, I'm not not to interrupt. He's he's always been that way though, hasn't he? Like even yes. didn't that sort of get him run out of Arizona that he was like that and he was sort of uncoachable to them? Exactly. And that's why he took so long to break out, I think, because he would just kind of guardrail the guardrail tinker things. And he was a decent pitcher, a perfectly capable like number four starter for several years. And then last year had the ace turn. So I'm just a little worried that he might push back to like a, you know, a quality 370 ERA and 120 whip. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but he is the ninth pitcher off the board. He's a top 30 pick. And so that's where that concern, it's not a bust concern. It's a, you're drafting an ace and getting a number three type of deal. So I got a little bit of concern with Trevor Bauer. And again, it's not a great statistical thing. It's more of a gut thing. Um, Zach Greinke is one. It's like, it's the hot potato. I know he comes in the spring every year, throwing like 71 on his fastball and everyone freaks out. And then he ends up doing his thing. Um, I just don't want to be holding that hot potato, right? I, I've gotten enough great Zach Greinke seasons of my own. I don't think his price is over the top as the 23rd pitcher and 68th pick. Like it's, that's not so egregious that I think someone's crazy for doing it. But there's so many pitchers around him that I'd rather have that, like I said, it's the hot potato. You hang on to this one because it is going to come down at some point, and I just don't want to be left holding the bag on Zach Greinke. Understood. So, again, Paulie, not saying these guys are bad at baseball, just saying they're being overdrafted currently. Exactly. Trevor Bauer, Zach Greinke, for the reasons stated. How about uh, how about a couple... I mean, you may have some more names on the overside. If you want to, you can just list them. But how about some underdrafted players? Players no, that, that are undervalued. Yeah, the under the under is where I where I love to live, and so I'll definitely get in on some of that. I, I like Nathan Yavaldi. I really like the changes that he made last year. That cutter was absolutely amazing. And one of the big differences in fantasy baseball these days is that with so few guys actually going 200 innings, somebody like a Nathan Eovaldi, who you can really only plan for about 130 innings, he, he might get more, but you can't plan for that. You can't ink it into your projections, but that's okay because so many guys kind of live in the 120 to 170 range that a really sharp 125 innings from Nathan Eovaldi could be like a top 30 starter. And he's going off the board at like 50th of, among starters. Do you worry that he ends up being a closer in Boston? Well, I tell you what, if he became a closer for fantasy, that wouldn't be a problem. If yeah. he became a middle reliever, more of a Josh Hader type, that would be a little bit of an issue, but even that would still be usable. Again, with the way the game is going, back in like five years ago, even a Josh Hader, as good as he was, would be available on the waiver wire in some leagues because he wasn't getting saves. And like a middle reliever like that just wasn't that valuable because so many starters were out there getting 180 plus innings. Nowadays, that's valuable. So, I think whatever role they put Eovaldi in, he can be useful. I'd almost, almost prefer him as a closer because he would be so devastating in racking up saves. I and see. most leagues still use saves. So I, I will take it. Whatever hybrid role they want to use for him, I'm in. Another one I really like is Joe Musgrove out in Pittsburgh. 
Uh, really impressive. You know, when that Garrett Cole trade happened, I thought it was a win-win deal. I was really, really, really excited about what Cole could do with Houston, and he, of course, was amazing. And I thought they, they did not get ripped off for him, though. Joe Musgrove is a really strong pitcher, and he showed a lot of it last year. The 406 ERA it might, might uh, be misleading folks into thinking that he wasn't that good, but he was. He had a 118 whip and, and really good strikeout walk ratio. So I think Joe Musgrove can have a big breakout season this year. I really like what he's up to. Jimmy Nelson on the bounce back, he missed all of last year with a shoulder injury. He's going to come back strong. I really, really like what he did in 17. And then Anibal Sanchez, the grandpa, who busted out that cutter last year and was dominant, do not sleep on him. He's going to be ready to – and, again, he's going to come back from what he did last year with Washington. Uh, he did it with Atlanta. He's going to be with Washington this year. But Anibal Sanchez is going to be good, and he's free in fantasy league. These are such interesting names because Jimmy Nelson, it's like the, the proverbial, this is the year where he bounces back, right? This is the year that, that uh, you get some Jimmy Nelson. And then in the case of Sanchez, man, did he bottom out, right? Like he was yes. dreadful at one point. He was allowing homers at just such an amazing clip. I mean, you and I would have gone yard on him. It was crazy. The thing of it was, and, you know, he was a Tiger, so I watched him front and center. The thing of it was he still kind of had his strikeout and walk ratio were doing pretty well. It's just that anytime someone got on, there was a two- or three-run homer coming up. And so his ERA was just through the roof. Well, he cut the home runs, and a big part of it was getting that cutter last year. And so, again, I don't expect a 283 ERA. He was amazing last year. But give him like a 360, and he's still worth where he's going. I mean, Anibal Sanchez is so cheap because nobody wants the old guy. And he's like 260th overall pick in fantasy this year. Talking overvalued and undervalued pitchers in fantasy leagues of baseball with Paul Spore from Fangraphs. Uh, by the way, those who are watching at uh, VEASAN.com, VEASAN app, and Fubo TV, you'll see blue uh, shaded, blue highlighted uh, names here on Paulie's list of the top 120 pitchers. What those denote, Paul, help me out here is that is where a tear break. A tear break. It, does the yep. tear break happen right after the blue or on the blue? You know, people ask me that, and I was like, I, I, I should have made clear what which it was. It starts the new tier, and I, I, I will. I'm going to do my March update soon, and I will make that more distinct because I was like. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good question there. So like uh, Blake Snell starts the second tier. Got it. Steven Strasburg starts the third tier. I see. So Scherzer, Degrom, Sale, Verlander, Cole, Kluber, Nola, Syndergaard, and then next tier Snell, Kershaw, Correct. and so forth. Um, let me ask you about one guy. Let me cherry pick a guy. Uh, I'm sure there's of no course. there's no secret on you say Kikuchi in Seattle, but where uh, <laughs> you say Kikuchi, but but where does he get? Where does where is it appropriate to draft him? An unknown factor like that. It's appropriate to draft him where he's going right now because he's going at a pretty good value. Uh, the 169th pit, pick off the board. He's around the 64th pitcher, and the way this average draft position works is that it combines starters and relievers. So I don't know exactly where he's going among starters here. They don't they don't delineate, unfortunately. But he's the 64th pitcher taken. That's a pretty good bargain right there. I don't even think it's that big of a gamble. Like when you're getting somebody at past pick 150, um, that they can be a, a bigger gamble and it's not going to cost you too much if they go by the wayside. But I really like Kikuchi. I'm kind of intrigued by what he can do. I think he's going to be a solid sort of mid-rotation type. He's not going to be amazing for fantasy because he is going to be on that schedule where he's pitching every uh, sixth day so that the volume will be capped. 
but his per inning performance could be really good. And of course, he had a nice spring training start. Joey Votto was speaking uh, highly of, of what he was able to do with his curveball and things like that. Obviously, that's one spring training start. Don't go crazy on that. But Kikuchi's a nice, solid mid-rotation guy for your fantasy team for sure. All right, give me a sleeper or two here then before we get off pitchers. All right. So as far as go, going going deep on some folks, uh, I'm going to stick with Milwaukee a little bit here and go with Brandon Woodruff. He and Corbin Burns are, are fighting it out a bit for for a role. I'll take whoever wins, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm a Brandon Woodruff guy, but if, um, if Corbin Burns happens to win that spot, sign me up. I would, I would have been prepared to come on here and talk up the virtues of, of gambling on like a Colin McHugh or Brad Peacock, but Colin McHugh himself got a little bit nicked up, as did Joshua James, which opened the door for Peacock, and he won't be so sneaky anymore. People will be going crazy for him. So that one's not as, as sharp as it was, say, uh, you know, two, three days ago. Mm-hmm. I also like um, another one that's more of a gamble. He doesn't have the role right now. But Seth Lugo's a monster with the Mets, and there's no universe where I'm going to believe that that uh, Jason Vargas is going to keep him out of the rotation <laughs> all year. I'm sorry, I'm just not willing to believe that. And another uh, older one that you know everyone knows the name, but they've probably forgotten. Jeff Samarja. Keep a close eye on him, man. If he comes back, if we get all the good progress reports of health, and he's not missing uh, spring training starts or falling short of, you know, if they say he's supposed to come out and do 50 pitches and he only does 20 or things like that, that's a concern. But if he's hitting all the targets that he's supposed to, I think he's going to come back and be strong because the fantasy community has just ditched him. He's the 161st pitcher off the board, pick 356. That is a free pickup. That is an afterthought. And I absolutely uh, think he can bounce back and be strong. One more, by the way, sorry, I got to get in Ross Stripling, but similar to Peacock, he's a little bit more known now because of Kershaw's injury. Everyone's back on the Stripling train, but I want to say that I was out front center on it because if you look on those rankings, he's ranked 36 and uh, nobody had Ross Stripling that high. So I, I was first on Ross Stripling. I'm, I'm going to pat myself on the back there. You got him 36 there. Wow. Yeah, uh, Samarja from your lips to God, as my mother would say, for Giants fans. They would love for that to yeah. manifest for Jeff Samarja, the shark in uh, San Francisco, who had a ridiculous strikeout to uh, walk rate two seasons ago. And then uh, Stripling, I actually held a 300-1 to Cy Young ticket on him last year at one point, <sighs> just on a flyer, just in case. Uh, things went and wrong. he was pitching so well, and yeah. and and then the second half, you know, just he didn't quite, he wasn't quite able to hold up. But by the way, he's a great example. Of what I'm talking about about how 122 innings of excellence can be so fantasy valuable. I think he was ended up as a top 20 pitcher, not top 20. I think he was top 28. I think he was like 28th or 29th last year. Yeah. So we'll call it top 30. But only with 122 innings, that shows you that you just don't need the volume these days. And I like him to get his shots this year because, listen, even without Kershaw's injury, you know Rich Hill's not going more than 130. Hyunjin Ryu, Kenta Maeda, they're always uh, getting hurt or having their innings protected. Stripling's going to get his opportunities, and I loved what he did last year. And so that's why I'm so bullish on him. You don't have to take him as the 36th pitcher. These rankings that aren't really a draft sheet. It's more of a how I like them. 
So you kind of mix it with the average draft position, and then you figure out where to take them. Yeah, and Stripling, much less of a chance that he'll go to the pen this year for all the reasons stated, because uh, he was exactly. uh, shipped to the pen last year at some point as well. We'll come back. We'll get Paul's opinions. We'll shift it to betting, get Paul's opinions on uh, AL and NL Cy Young Award uh, props that are just out uh, at the Westgate, and then we'll shift to infield around the horn and outfield as well. Fantasy baseball with Paulie Bill Krakenberger on deck as well. It's a numbers game right here at VEASAN. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VSIN studios in Las Vegas. Back on the numbers game with Paul Spore from Fangraphs, talking fantasy baseball, uh, and uh, we'll do a little betting here. NL Cy Young, AL Cy Young. Uh, Rob Manfred, is Rob Manfred crazy part two, Paulie? The Atlantic League will become a testing ground for new rules and tweaks for its Major League Baseball brethren. This from the New York Post. One of the uh, considered things, moving the mound back. Moving it back further. What the hell? Paulie, are you there? Paulie is speechless. I'm here. All right. What do you think can about that? Can you not that? hear me? No, no, we couldn't. Now yeah, we sorry. can. Now we can. What What in the world? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to support him a little bit on this one. Oh. I don't hate it. Oh. Because of where it's being done, right? Yeah, the Atlantic League. Uh, you know, you got to test these things out somewhere, right? It's a lot better than doing it in, say, triple A. Um, or, or heaven forbid, the majors. To so you got to try these things out somewhere. We have far too many strikeouts right now, right? Plain and simple. It, it, it's become a three true outcome game. And for those that don't know what that is, that means strikeout, home run, and and walk. Those are the three mm-hmm. true skill based outcomes. A single can be fluky. Heck, so can a double. And almost all triples have some measure of fluke to them. So that's why they call them the three true outcomes. And it's become too much of that. And that's part of what drives the pace down. The ball isn't in play. We don't have a lot of options for what we can do to kind of fix that because we can't make pitchers throw slower. And part of it is the velo. Moving the mound back a little bit could change. Now, I think I would do more of lowering the mound. I was going to say, what what happened to the old just raising or lowering the mound thing that we used to do? That would be smarter because I do wonder all the the unintended consequences of perhaps moving it back, maybe with injuries or what, I, I don't know. But it's an independent league. I think that's an interesting testing ground. So I'm going to give him credit for where he's doing it, not so much everything that he is doing, but I'm okay with trying this stuff out in the independent league uh, uh, in a well, in a well, uh, well-regarded one too, right? It's not just, it's not nothing baseball. We know right. a handful of those teams, guys have gone through the Long Island Ducks, Sugarland Skeeters, et cetera. So I don't hate this so much for Rob Manfred. So I'll give him a little bit of a check mark here after hammering him in the last segment. Well, I, I, I think it's a harebrained scheme. I think you're right. I mean, it's good that he's doing it in the league that's not the majors, but good Lord, if this ever were to come to the major leagues, every stat we've ever known is done. Done. That's Nothing matters the problem, anymore. Right? Right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, you're effectively starting a new sport from scratch. It's like, and really, this is the best comparison off the top of my head. Let's just raise the rims to 11 feet. Raise and, the net. Yeah, yep. and let's just you know play basketball a different way than we ever have before. Anyway. Um, exactly. And 60, 60 feet, 6 inches has been perfect. 90 <laughs> feet. It, it's amazing how perfect 90 feet is to deliver enough close plays and, yeah. and give the routine out. It's like, I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I think raising and lowering the mound is the right way to go as opposed to moving it back. But I am interested to see the results here, at All least. Right. Uh, let's do before we get off pitching then here. So the Westgate posted AL Cy Young Award odds. And uh, this is a lot more of a free-for-all than it is in the National League. 
at the top of the American League, Corey Kluber, still a, still a member of the tribe. Paulie never never moved. Plus three fifty. Yeah, I thought he was going to be a Dodger at one point. Nope. Chris Sale, your doppelganger, four to one. Luis Severino with the Yankees got a big extension. He's at seven to one. And then everybody in double digits: Verlander and Carrasco, both at twelve to one. And on down the line, the aforementioned Garrett Cole, fifteen to one. And you see the rest of the names: um, Trevor Bauer, twenty to one. What do you like here? Yeah, if I'm trying to like not just go hard on the the favorites, which Sale would probably be my favorite among the uh, the single digit ones. Verlander's up there for sure. You guys, I'm a long time. Anyone who's been here in my spots with you on the podcast dating till now knows I love Verlander. So I'll get that token mention in there. But for me, it really starts with Garrett Cole. I talked about how much I loved what he did last year with Houston. He was a, a Cy Young contender without a doubt. I think he can actually build on that. I know, you know, the, the smartest thing to do statistically is to peel back and put some regression on what he did. But you look at everything that Garrett Cole did and, and the way his uh, arsenal works, and I just don't really see where the regression comes. So I feel like he's going to put up another amazing season and actually be in contention for the Cy Young. And here's where my contradictory play comes is because I am going to say Bauer as a consideration. <laughs> so while I am concerned with him in fantasy because he's the ninth pitcher off the board, yep. 20 to 1 is actually a little bit appealing. So it's a little bit of a hedge there that if I'm wrong, because it is not some very strong statistical case that I have against him. And and if he is going to be this guy that we saw last year and not, you know, fall victim to a batted ball that, that cuts him out and only allows him to have 175 innings. If he does this for a full 210, he's a workhorse type too. I think pitching well and, and being efficient, I think Bauer can push the 220 type, the old school type of numbers there. So at 20, it becomes a little bit more appealing. So that's where my contradictory statement is. And then a little bit on my long shot, I'm going to go Blake Trinan, the reliever. Because I'm looking, and I just didn't see a whole lot that I loved on on the long shots. I wanted to bring a long shot for each, somebody in the the, the plus 10,000 or or later. And I just didn't see a lot. You know, Kikuchi, I was glad you brought him up because he's somebody I considered. But like I said, the volume is going to be too tough with him. Uh, Brent Honeywell, maybe next year, that's something I'd be interested in. And just a lot of these other guys have too many flaws that I can't get over. Whereas Blake Trinan, I mean, if he does the kind of amazing stuff that we saw last year, which is going to be hard, but a .70 ERA, a .83 whip, if he's amazing again, he was already a down ballot guy. If the rest of the pool just kind of clusters and opens the door for a reliever, he could be the guy. So that's my long shot there, and and emphasis, heavy emphasis on long shot. But those are my AL guys. Blake Trinan, three hundred to one for the American League Cy Young. Uh, National League, same story. Although this is uh, obviously more top heavy, not surprisingly. Scherzer plus two fifty, Degrom plus three fifty, the reigning Cy Young champ. Aaron Nola for the Phillies at seven to one, and then everybody else in double digits. Clayton Kershaw still getting some love at twelve to one. Do not do that. Got to move that down. Yeah, don't. Yeah, do got to move move that one way down before I would take a shot on that one at this point. I actually found more appealing options here as far as uh, feeling confident about some of the longer odds that I was taking. My my Cole comp here would be Noah Syndergaard. Absolutely love him. We still haven't seen the best out of him. Fifteen to one. That's kind of an easy one. I, I would definitely get in on that. I mean, he has arguably the best stuff in baseball, plain and simple. Noah Syndergaard is an absolute monster. We haven't seen that full 200-inning season yet. Last year, it was an index finger issue and hand-foot-mouth disease. Mm. Like, so Mets for those injuries. (laughs) But if he just stays healthy, we're getting 200-plus innings of just 
amazing baseball. And then I'm going to go with two uh, Pirates that I absolutely love this year. One I already mentioned. Jameson Tyon's one of them. And uh, I think he's a, a total monster. He added a slider last year that really took off in the second half. And he's going to have going to have it from day one this year. I think it's going to make him a bit more of a strikeout guy while not costing him efficiency. One of the reasons he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts in previous years is it didn't want to rob him of his efficiency. He didn't want to build up, you know, six, seven, eight pitch at bats in just to get strikeouts. If I can get you out in three pitches, three, four pitches, why wouldn't I? This slider really amped his other stuff and was a good pitch on its own. So 50 to one for Jamison Tyon, definitely like him. And then my, my long shot here, hundred to one, Joe Musgrove. I already told you what I liked about him. Mm-hmm. What I will say is I was, I did this recent piece where I was kind of looking at last year's guys and trying to find this year's version of them. And I was looking for a, this year, Joe, uh, this year, Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove was who I landed on. Now, I understand that might not hmm. jive when you kind of think about it, but then I looked at what Snell had done through 17 and what Musgrove has done to his day, you know, through 2018 so far, and they were pretty deadlocked. In fact, Musgrove's walk rate was much better. It was half what Snell did, and, and his strikeout rate was only 1% below, 22 to 21. So I know Snell's known as this big strikeout guy, and Musgrove isn't really but it shows you that these guys can jump. When they get going, the strikeouts follow. So I really love Joe Musgrove, and so I'm going to put him as my long shot there too. So Thor, Tyone, and Musgrove. And Musgrove you're seeing at what number right now? I got him uh, 100 here. 100 to 1. 100 to 1. Yeah. yeah. Um, Musgrove. Could Joe Musgrove be this year's Blake Snell? Interesting. Interesting. And no no love for Bueller, no love for Bueller at 20 to 1, Corbin at 20 to 1, nothing there that, that – uh, so excites you? I do love Bueller, but I think the market's already kind of yeah. set that and, and really kind of robbed that of any sort of value there to where he just kind of has to perform. And so, you know, the same thing in fantasy. He, he's going really high. There's a big playoff fantasy tax, I call it, when a guy just beasts out on the national stage. So, I mean, he's kind of already established as an ace, even though he has 145 major league innings under his belt. So I didn't really like that. And I don't like guys in the first year of a big contract, uh, pitchers specifically, not so much for hitters, but pitchers, I really just stay away from them in fantasy and something like this kind of bet. So I, I, I'm not anti-Corbin, but I'm just laying off this year. I want to see how he adjusts to Washington, and then maybe next year we jump back in. Okay, Paul, stick around. Uh, when, I, when we come back, I'm going to stay completely out of your way. We're going to go catcher. We're going to go all around the horn here. Catcher first, second, short, third, and outfield. Uh, okay underachievers, or excuse me, undervalued, overvalued, rapid fire. Coming back with Paul Spore from Fangraphs, right here on a numbers game at VEASAN. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. Broadcasting live from our VEASAN studios in Las Vegas. Don't forget, Greg Peterson coming up on the show as well with Bill Krakenberg. A little do, uh, we'll do a little uh, college basketball tonight. And the big dance is around the corner, of course. PropSwap wants it to be your most profitable tournament yet. PropSwap, a marketplace where you can buy and sell active sports bets. Think of it like a stock market, if you will. But for betting tickets, buy low on a team with long odds and then sell high for big profit. Last year, Larry S. bet $10 on Loyola and then, bam, sold it for $1,000 four games later as they got to the Final Four. As Brent says, cashing tickets is what it's all about. So let PropSwap turn your tickets into cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. All right, Paul Spore, Fangraphs, host of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast as well. Really can find him everywhere in the baseball universe. Let's go catchers, overvalued, undervalued, go. 
All right. So overvalued, there's really not that many. It's a, it's a weird pool this year. It's pretty crappy, to be quite honest. So the two studs at the top, I think, are being drafted fine. I'm going to say Mike Zanino, though, because I just don't like Mike Zanino. Plain and simple. He cost <laughs> me a bet. He inexplicably hit. I, I suckered someone into betting on his batting average one year that he wouldn't hit over 230. And that year, he inexplicably hit 250. I'll forever dislike Mike Zanino. So don't draft him. I don't care if he's it's very free. rational. Uh, undervalued. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super rational, super logical. Undervalued. I like Danny Jansen. Uh, with Toronto, with Russell Martin out of there, he's really sharp. I think he's going to get the full-time playing time. He looks really good. And Austin Barnes, I'm, I'm kind of buying back in. He was a disaster. I kind of was excited about him. I, I, I playoff taxed him a few years ago after he had a nice little October, and it definitely didn't work. He's he's sound, he's sunk completely now. He is an afterthought at catcher, but I like him to bounce back there. I don't think Russell Martin's going to take the job from him. Uh, do you want to have a? You want to say something about them and then go to the next position, or just no, jump right no, to first? No, go ahead. Base? First base. Go ahead. All right, first base. Joey Gallo overvalued. Listen, I get that he hits forty homers, but he does it with a, like a two hundred five average, and so I can get my undervalued guys who might not hit forty. They might only hit thirty two, thirty three, but I'll take the seven homer trade off for thirty five plus points of batting average, and that would be Matt Olson. I absolutely love him. By the way, I sneak tip believe he can hit 40 plus homers this year. I, in fact, I think I talked about him on the home run prop did. situation. You did, yeah. Uh, so I, I love Matt Olson. And then Ryan O'Hearn, I actually see as kind of a, a baby Matt Olson out there in Kansas City, not getting a whole lot of attention. He's really interesting, too. So Gallo fade, Olson, O'Hearn buy. And then at second base, overvalued. Javi Baez, and this is one of those, this is similar to what I was talking about earlier with like a, a Bauer. It's not that I think Baez is going to be a complete trash bag. He has three <laughs> positions in fantasy, which is great. Second, short, and third. Uh, so that's always valuable, and he's going to be good. He's going to hit you some power and steal you some bases. I just don't know that he's worth the 17th pick this year. I just I worry about the volatility of his plate approach. So I got him a little bit overvalued. I love, and everyone does, but his price doesn't quite reflect it yet. I love Daniel Murphy in Colorado. Never has a park and player been so perfectly yes. matched. He could hit 350 this year. Like That's actually realistically possible. And then for a deeper one, I'll go with Cattell Marte. And I'm a recent Marte convert. I was never really a big fan uh, until doing some off-season research on his previous season here. Now, the one thing is he's always been known uh, or, or perceived as some big stolen base guy, and he's never really done that. And that's why I haven't liked him. I'm like, why do people keep projecting him for steals? I'm actually more intrigued by his power boost from last year and what he was able to do there. He's going to play full-time with the, with some of the uh, trades and moves that they've done with Pollock the free agent signing and Goldie gone. So I think Marte, Cattell Marte, is going to get a full-time playing playing role. And I think he can go with... 20 plus homers and then maybe run a little bit. I mean, he's had 11 in a season before. If he can get up to 15, if you're talking 2015 with a 265 average, that's really valuable when he qualifies at second and short. So I like to tell Marte. I'm so glad those are my three positions there. I'm glad you brought up Daniel Murphy because obviously the move to Coors is just everything. You haven't listed fourth here and understandably so behind Altuve, Baez, and Merrifield. But Daniel Murphy in Colorado could be a big blow up kind of thing. Uh, it's the same reason why probably Arenado should be your number one third baseman in perpetuity, right? Uh, of course. In uh, of course. in Colorado. The one question I would ask you on that second base list, if you could throw that up one more time, Mateo, is Minnesota. And I just relate this to football. Uh, sometimes in football there's a quirk where you can use somebody at one position even though he's actually playing another. Marwin Gonzalez going to Minnesota. Uh, platooning. I don't know if platooning is the right word here with Jonathan Scope because I don't think that's what's going to end up happening. But you have Marwin here listed at second base, yet 
um, you know, he's playing other positions as well. Could you fudge something with him? No, you can put him everywhere. That's what makes him so valuable. And and the deeper your league where, you know, injuries can strike and, and the, the waiver wire is thinner, a guy like Marlon Gonzalez, who isn't, you know, some superstar offensively, he's very valuable, though, because you can move him to all those spots. And so yeah. when a key free agent comes up, if it's a second baseman and you have your second base locked, well, with Marlon, you move him around and then you can afford to get the, the, the free agent flavor of the week. So I love Marwin for that reason alone. I value positional flexibility quite a bit, maybe more than the rest of the industry. I think it's very valuable in season to have guys who can move around. It really keeps your flexibility. So somebody like Marwin, I do like, and I think they're going to get him his playing time. Yeah. He's a super utility. He's, he's, he's a Ben Zobrist. You know, at Ben Zobrist's peak, he was playing everywhere, but he was playing every day. So he's not a utility hitter who only plays four times a week. He's a, he's a utility guy who plays six, seven days a week. And that's what Marlon's going to be. Great flex player for fantasy baseball. We'll come back. We'll do third base and, uh, oh, excuse me, shortstop third base in the outfield. Paul Spore from Fangraphs talking fantasy right here on a numbers game at VEASAN. Now, back to a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander, broadcasting live from our VEASAN studios in Las Vegas. Back on a numbers game here at VEASAN, Series XM Channel 204. Uh, if you sign up for the free daily VEASAN City newsletter, you'll also get our special betting guide, VEASAN's Racers Odds. It should be pointed out for Sunday's big race here in Las Vegas. Big NASCAR race, that is. Uh, VEASAN's Racers Odds Betting Guide featuring in-depth race preview, focusing on analysis of past race results here in Vegas at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway and the changes expected for the Pennzoil 400. Full pages for each of uh, 25 top contending drivers for Sunday. Steve Mackinnon's race simulation, uh, which will be out in the pre-weekend version and updated Saturday following all practice and qualifying sessions. Both the VEASAN City Newsletter and the Racers Odds Betting Guide are free. Racers Odds Betting Guide information at VEASAN.com slash race. That's VEASAN.com slash race. And we'll have Jeff Coliandro in tomorrow on the show to discuss that race as well. Paul Sporer is on with us, uh, kind enough to join us all hour long, talking fantasy baseball, a little betting props as well. Uh, and uh, it should be noted, by the way, Paul at Sporer on Twitter, at S-P-O-R-E-R. And, Paulie, you are uh, tweeting out links to your rankings on every position, correct, as as you make them? Yes, and so um, I did first and second yesterday. Starters are already up, but the, the rest will actually be out today and tomorrow. So we won't have the new ones to flash up on the screen there, but uh, there will be some extras today. So folks that want to follow me on Twitter, they'll get the links to those today, including uh, shortstop and third base, which uh, I know we're about to cover here. So you want to dive in right now? Yeah, let's do a little sneak preview on those. All right, let's talk a little bit about shortstops. Sorry, Yankees fans, the overvalued for me is a little bit on Glaber Torres. And again, it's not it's not the outright bust that I think he's going to completely fall on his face. But I do see, I, you know, the sophomore slump thing gets thrown out around a lot, but there is value to it. And it's not so much that, um, you know, it's guaranteed every year. It's just that when you have an amazing rookie year, you usually only have one place to go, and that's down. It's to kind of, you know, smooth back out as the league adjusts to you and there's an adage that i learned years ago i believe it was ron chandler who coined it uh, or at least that's where i heard it from prospect growth isn't linear and i i use that all the time because it's a it's a good reminder that just because somebody had a big season doesn't mean they're going to build on that and continue to stair step up into a star and this works for even non prospects uh you know who have who have graduated off prospect list they might be in their third year or whatever 
it's not always going to be this perfect rise into excellence. So I think Glaber Torres kind of comes back to the pack a little bit this year. He's okay, not great, and then maybe takes off into superstardom for 2020. As far as undervalued, I really like Jorge Polanco out in Minnesota. I think he's going to be really interesting. By the way, could Catal Marte also counts at shortstop, so there's a little bonus one there. He counts at both positions. But I like Jorge Polanco. Uh, I think he's, you know, he did get popped for PEDs. I'm not too worried about that, though. I don't hold that against guys once they come back. It's, you know, it's whatever. I mean, I, I don't play the moral police with that. He served a suspension. It's time to move on. And then another one who's actually going to be playing second base, but he only qualifies at short coming into the season, is Garrett Hampson out in Colorado. Absolutely love him. First off, ABC of fantasy baseball, always bet on course. It's that simple. It's not that hard. It's not cheating to do it. It's not cheesy to do it. It's the smart play. It's a smart so thing, smart thing to do. Coors. Yeah, and DFS, first question I ask every day, every day, is there a game at Coors or not? That's the first question. Bingo. Yeah. Exactly. And so Garrett Hampson's an interesting prospect. He's got great bat-to-ball skills. He knows how to take a walk, and he's got premium speed. And speed is hard to come by in fantasy these days. A perfect world scenario. This is not the projection I would give him, but it, but a a wow, everything really broke right. Is forty stolen bases for Garrett Hampson? That's the kind of speed that he has, and he has good bat to ball skills. So I really like him as a, a breakout at short. And then third base. Uh, sorry, Yankees fans, it's Miguel Andohar, and honestly, he's even a bigger case for a a, a sophomore slump than than Glaber Torres because he was better than Torres. And so, like I said, there's really only one spot to come, and that's down to kind of smooth out a little bit and as the league kind of catches up and adjusts back to Miguel Andahar, he's a quality player for sure but I just don't know that he's going to hit 297 again with the 27 homers and his defense is so wretched that I wonder if it'll cost him some time as well and he might not get that 606 plate appearances again so that's actually my bigger concern than the wretched. bat and then underrated oh god I love Max Muncy and I just don't think he's getting enough love off of what he did last year and I know you might say well why wouldn't he have a sophomore slump? Like, well, technically he wasn't a rookie, so that's one reason. But also because of the skills that he put underneath his season. I'm not necessarily saying that he's going to add to his 35 homers. He might only hit another 35, but instead of doing it in 481 plate appearances, it's in 620, so it's like a full season. But the underneath skills with the 16% walk rate is just so impressive. And he's much more aggressive on the pitches that he can do damage with. And I just love what Max Muncy did. I think he can put up 100 runs and 100 ribbies in that Dodgers lineup, too. I know there are some concerns that he'll get platooned. He's too good to be platooned. So they might take him out against lefties here and there a little bit early on. But I think they're going to realize that he can play against lefties and he should be an everyday player. So I love Max Muncy. Okay. And then outfield, finishing it up. This one's another one that where I don't hate him. I just don't like him at his cost. That's George Springer. He's a little bit of an accumulator, and so you really need him to stay healthy to pan out. He's he's the present-day Adam Jones, Hunter Pence, and go kind of look at their career trajectory. They eventually, you know, they were always solid, but then they just kind of meandered off into being mediocre. And so he doesn't have any standout skills. He doesn't run anymore either. So that's George Springer. Just don't love him there. There's other guys I'd like to chase. And then I got I got a little bit of uh, a couple of veteran types here. One who's a little bit unknown. Well, not anymore after the contract he got. But uh, Andrew McCutcheon is the one that everyone knows, of course. He was great last year. I don't think people realize it because he was in San Francisco, and so that that hid some of his production. But then when he went to New York, the skills took like they they shone again. They shone brightly. So I love him in Philly for a whole year. I think he's being a bit underrated. And then the guy who I thought 
you know, before he got seven years, 70 mil, Aaron Hicks might have been a little bit underrated for New York. But now everyone kind of knows the name, and they should. This guy is health. Uh, just staying healthy one season away from a 30-20 breakout type of season. He is that electric. He's got great skills. He also takes walks, so he is on base, stays high. Premium defender, so he should always be in the lineup. I love Aaron Hicks. I'm going to keep calling for the breakout, Gail. I don't care if he's 35. I'm still going to be calling for the breakout season for Aaron Hicks. I just believe in him so much. Can I just sprinkle some health dust on him? Yes. And I mean, I guess that would be PEDs, but no. So don't take PEDs. But um, if we could just keep him healthy for 155 games, he'd be an absolute monster. And no Miami Marlin in sight. Have you ever seen a team that is more bereft of fantasy talent than this team in all your years playing fantasy? No, because they're also in a, in a brutal uh, park. Yeah. So none of their hitters are all that appealing. They actually have some interesting pitchers, but that division is an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And so they, and they don't get to face themselves. So I don't even want to take a shot on those pitchers going against Atlanta, Washington, Philly, and the Mets all the time. So no, completely bereft of talent. I might spot start one of their pitchers every once in a blue moon. But for the most part, I'm completely ignoring that team. All right, we'll see if Peter O'Brien has some breakout like Jason Weingarten hoped with his home run long shot pick. Paul Sporer from Fangraphs. The Sleeper in the Bust is the name of his podcast. Again, he'll tweet out all of these position rankings at Spore S-P-O-R-E-R on Twitter. Paulie, can't thank you enough, man. We'll put this in podcast form for those who missed it as well. Appreciate it. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.